You're listening to Sermons at FCC Moorhead, a podcast of sermons preached at First Christian Church in Moorhead, Kentucky. A congregation in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ tradition, we are a faith community seeking to live out Christ's call of hospitality and shalom. I'm Reverend Nancy Galler, minister at FCC, and each week we'll post the latest sermon preached from our pulpit. Most weeks you'll hear my voice, but from time to time you'll find guest preachers on this podcast too. Thanks for listening. Dear Diary, where to start? What an incredible day. I can't begin to put into words what I've experienced today, but but I must, as it's a day that I believe has changed my life forever. Today is the Sabbath. Like other Sabbaths, it was a day to put aside my purple cloth business and devote myself to God, to rest, to prayer. As you know, dear diary, my Sabbath routine is to meet other women at a quiet and peaceful place by the river for a time of prayer. And that's exactly what I did today. But, oh my, today was so different. We were joined by men. Now, never had that happened before. I was quite skeptical, even a bit fearful. Why were they there? What was their purpose? Could we trust them? And then on top of that, we soon learned that one of them was that man who we had heard stories about, the one who is the leader of the way, the one they call Paul, who used to persecute followers of the way, but now was its leader. Why would he share this story of Jesus with us? Didn't make sense, since we are all Gentiles, not Jews. We are Romans living in a Greek town, and we are women. He quickly, however, alleviated our fears and suspicions by speaking with gentleness and genuine care, but with a fervor that was hard to ignore. He spoke about this Jesus and how he had been crucified, but on the third day had risen from the dead and had appeared to his followers and had told them to wait for the coming of the Spirit. I didn't understand what he meant about the spirit, but as he continued to speak and teach, I had this feeling come over me like nothing I had ever experienced before. My heart was on fire, feeling a warmth and peace that is still beyond description. I accepted the living God. I accepted that through Jesus the Christ, my sins were forgiven. It can only be this Holy Spirit of which he spoke that can explain what came over me. And right there, by the river, I was baptized. Now, I'd heard this word baptized before because in my language it means to dip and to dye, as in changing a piece of cloth through the dyeing process into something totally different, just as I do in my business of selling fancy purple cloth. 
This baptism symbolizes that I am a different person, permanently changed from my former self. I am now one of the way. I was so overcome with joy and excitement that I asked him to come share the story with the rest of my household. I wanted them to have what I had just received. I wanted them to know the same joy that I was feeling. And right there, they too accepted Jesus just like I had, the Spirit engulfing them as it had me. Paul baptized them. <laughs> what joy! And then I did something that I never thought I would do. I invited, uh, well, uh, to be honest, I strongly encouraged Paul and these other men who were traveling with him to stay at my house. A Roman living in a Greek city, a Gentile, a woman inviting these Jewish men to stay at my house. Was I crazy? But the Spirit was urging me, this is the right thing to do, Lydia. Take the risk. Offer these people hospitality, a place to rest, food to eat. And so I did. Well, the Spirit must have been working in them, too, because they accepted my invitation. What an evening. Sharing, singing, hearing more stories about Jesus, praying for those who might hear Paul's message in the days to come as he moved about my home city of Philippi. Wow, what a day. My life will never be the same. I am baptized, changed, transformed. I've seen how God can use me to provide welcome to strangers, even when it's scary. Praise God. Good night, diary. At the camp and retreat center that I directed before retirement, our mission statement was to provide a place apart for renewal and growth in an environment of Christian hospitality. So what is Christian hospitality? My cousin recently retired after serving for many years as a Presbyterian minister in California. One of the first things she wanted to do with her newfound freedom was to take a road trip across the country and back visiting friends and family along the way. Well, she did it. Traveling over 11,000 miles during the three-and-a-half-month journey, visiting over 65 folks who offered her countless moments of hospitality, welcoming her, feeding her, giving, a place, giving her a place to rest her head. Is this the Christian hospitality to which we are called? The Bible gives us some clues as to what hospitality should look like. Romans 12, 13. When God's children are in need, you be the one to help them out and get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. Hebrews 13, 2. Don't forget to be kind to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. The passage in Genesis that Joe read this morning gives us a clear picture of what Old Testament hospitality looked like. 
Abraham looks out from the shade of oak trees and sees three men approaching. It's the middle of the summer. It's blazing hot. And remember, Abraham is quite old. No spring chicken, to be sure. But what does he do? He hurried. Some translations say he sprang up and ran to greet these strangers. He humbled himself before them and invited them to come rest and have some refreshing water to drink and to wash their dusty feet. Now, from my perspective, he has already offered a wonderful welcome to these strangers. But Abraham goes way beyond that. He enlists Sarah's aid to bake some fresh bread using our finest flour. Then he has a choice tender calf roasted. All this lavish meal is then presented to his guests as he patiently waits upon them. Now that is some kind of hospitality. Of course, as the story continues, you may remember, Abraham discovers that he has indeed entertained angels without realizing it. Hospitality. The Greek word is philozenos, a compound word of philos, which means to love like a friend, and xenos, which means a stranger or foreigner. So hospitality means to love the stranger or the foreigner. Rick Renner is a highly respected Bible teacher and leader in the international Christian community and author of over 30 books. In his book, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, he writes, When Paul tells the early church and us to be hospitable, he, he isn't telling us to be kind, friendly, or open-hearted with a known associate or a friend who is in need. He is telling us that we must show compassion and kindness to those we don't know at all. It is easy, he says, to open our homes and show kindness to someone we know, but it is a different thing altogether to be hospitable to those we don't know. The word philozenia depicts that moment when you go outside your normal circle of friends and relationships to do something extra special for someone whom you do not know. Okay, you might say, biblical times are different than what we know today. They didn't have a Marriott hotel or a fuzzy duck just around the next bend to provide a bed for the night or food for supper. Those folks were totally dependent on the welcoming spirit of the Abrahams they might encounter. So what does hospitality look like today for you and for me? A blog called Sage Journals says, quote, as the world continues to become more interconnected, we too must find ways to extend generosity and hospitality to others through looking past cultural and religious differences. Hospitality calls us to risk. 
to move beyond our comfort zone. One of my former staff members has been ministering in Russia for a number of years. The recent war forced him and his family to leave. But his heart is with those people with whom he has lived and ministered all these years. And so he feels called to return to a very dangerous and uncertain situation. He wrote, Risk for its own sake, for the rush and thrill is meaningless. But risk for the cause of Christ and the love of people, that's a life worth living. Hospitality requires risk on our part. But when done for the cause of Christ and the love of people, then it is worth the risk. Massanetta Springs Camp and Retreat Center in Virginia saw a need and took a risk to extend hospitality to over 150 Afghan refugees settling in the Shenandoah Valley. They are feeding and housing these persons until more permanent housing can be found in the area. Through their hospitality, the center is helping to meet their mission to, quote, be a place for all people. What a gift to these families uprooted from everything they have known to be welcomed and cared for by this act of Christian hospitality. You may have heard of Homeboy Industries, a program in Southern California that ministers to, provides counseling for, and teaches job skills to those persons whose lives have been ravaged by participation in and the violence of gangs. Father Gregory Boyle has created a place of acceptance, welcome, and love to countless gang members. Radical hospitality. In his book, The Whole Language, Father Boyle says, the singular sin of the world to fail to see with God's eyes. To see goats when really we are all just sheep. We are asked to see as God sees, and this, challenge, this changes all we view. What was ultimately tre treasonous about Jesus was his inclusivity. He ignored boundaries. Are we called to ignore boundaries? To see as God sees when we encounter those who look or speak or seem different? Is this radical hospitality? Years and years ago, a Greek philosopher described Christians to the Roman emperor Hadrian in this way. He said, they love one another, they never fail to help widows. If they have something, they give freely to the one who has nothing. If they see a stranger, they take him home and are as happy as though he were a real brother. We have to look no further than our own TV screens today to see radical hospitality being offered by the people of Poland and Slovakia, 
as Ukrainian refugees flee the ravages of war. Reaching out with lodging, with food, with baby strollers, to care for strangers, for foreigners in desperate need. What is God calling us to do? Will we be like Abraham and run to meet the stranger? Can we see ourselves inviting foreigners into our homes like Lydia or the Polish people? In one of our recent worship services, our song of response was the summons. You may remember it. The words ring true and challenge us to be God's people of radical hospitality. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Will you let my love be shown? Will you let my name be known? Will you let my life be grown in you and you in me? Will you leave yourself behind if I but call your name? Will you care for cruel and kind and never be the same? Will you risk the hostile stare should your life attract or scare? Will you let me answer prayer in you and you in me? Will you love the you you hide if I but call your name? Will you quell the fear inside and never be the same? Will you use the faith you found to reshape the world around through my sight and touch and sound in you and you in me? Lord, your summons echoes true when you but call my name. Let me turn and follow you and never be the same. In your company I'll go, where your love and footsteps show. Thus I'll move and live and grow in you, and you in me. Lord, calm our fears, grow in us, challenge us to move beyond what is comfortable. Go with us and lead us, to radical hospitality. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you found inspiration today. To learn more about our congregation, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, be well, be kind, and always be the church where you are.